Jag vet inte hur många sällskaper jag har mött som sliter med att få in professionella investorer till trots för att produkten egentligen är ganska bra och sällskapet visar växt och goda tal. Vi ser en ting de proffsiga investorerna på utsikter i tillägg att du bygger ett bra sällskap självklart är hur du hanterar dina aktionärer eller ditt så kallade cap table som det heter på startupsk. Ett ödelagt cap table sätter rätt och slett en stopper för sällskapsutveckling. Unlisted.ai gör det möjligt för sällskaper att hantera aktie- och optionsprogrammer, aktieägarboken, cap table och det mesta av rättigheter in mot aktierna i sällskapet på ett sted. Pröv Unlisted.ai sin gratisversion idag. Hej och välkommen till nok en ny episode i Shifters podcast. Idag har vi med oss en väldigt spännande gäst som eh, gjorde kan vi se si, braksuccé med med sällskapet Socius för eh, ja halvant år sedan cirka så var det väldigt mycket i i i rampljuset. Nu har de de har trukket sig lite tillbaka och men nu är er de tillbaka igen och har spännande nyheter och så ska vi få höra lite om hur det är er att jobba med B2B salg. So I will switch over to English because our guest today is Daniel Butler from Socius. Well, welcome Daniel. Hey, how you doing? I'm fine, thanks. How are you? I'm good. Busy. Yeah. Busy, yeah. Um so Socius, that's an interesting company. Uh mm-hmm. it was you won the first Angel Challenge mm-hmm. in December 2015. 15. Mm-hmm. Uh and then you raised you have you had you raised around about a year ago. Yeah, just under, just over a year ago, I guess. Yeah, and then suddenly you went silent. So, <laughs> no, so, so, yeah. what's going on? <laughs> uh, well, we purposely haven't really been seeking press. We've been really, really busy. Uh, we spent well. We moved over to to, to New York City uh, with Tapad's propeller program. So both Frodo and I, my co-founder, we've been spending um, six months like physically in New York, and we did like a little pivot after raising our pre-seed round. And uh, obviously, with that comes like a lot of just like soul searching figuring out like how how we're going to do this and logistics and even as like a small company that we are like seven now um it takes time to to readjust and and kind of get people off of what they thought you did and um and really communicate what you're doing now so but so what did you do and and what are you doing now (laughs) yeah i mean we've always been about um curating the social web we think that's a really interesting area because you know, Google indexed the web, right? And they made a whole bunch of like businesses on top of that. And um, no one's really doing it on the social web. So we initially were building um, social curation and display tech for brands. And we found, we worked with like a ton of really big brands like um, MasterCard, L'Oreal, Maybelline, uh, Coach, g-star and we found ourselves becoming increasingly in like this red ocean so there were so many companies coming up doing similar sorts of products and we'd started working a lot with condonast in new york city when they have vogue vanity fair gq wide like the biggest publications you can think of and um, we realized ah oh, there's actually and there's a market for something which is similar to what we do but more aligned with the pains of a modern publisher and um and so we just started to f- look at the business model and look at what are the pains of a publisher and that's that they they're really struggling to scale and their native advertising efforts um you know this right it's advertising super hard uh, if you're a publisher a podcast or whatever online like you're you're competing with google and facebook but we realized that they all had one common thing in common that they had 
um, they produce content. They, they're great storytellers. They're journalists, right? And they're, they're, they, they know how to tell a story and they've got unique audiences. Um, but, you know, and what they're doing is starting to open in-house studios. So like Afton Possen's got one, Build has got one, Condé Nast has got one, Timing has got one. They're all producing content for brands and, and that's great, but it takes a ton of time and work and effort. And so what we did is we were like, okay, instead of focusing directly on the brands, let's offer this as a tool to publishers to repackage content from from uh, an advertiser's social feeds. It can be influencer content. So, you know, like United Influencers here in Norway producing a ton of content, right, for for brands. And that content is only on social. And then and the brand is also producing content for social. And there's really hard to like get reach for that content so what we do is we enable them to take that out and put it back on their sites pretty simple idea but a change of business model as well and um so we moved to new york and we uh we we hired a sales team native uh, new yorkers and um we started pitching it and we got you know it takes time like publishers are working on long sales cycles so it takes time to get them you know up to date, it takes time to get meetings with them, takes time for them to actually pass it along in the food chain. And um, and now, just recently, we're starting to see the fruits of our labor. We've got uh, Dow Jones, uh, part of News Corp, just signed with us. We've got um, Penske, they have Variety Dowline, IndieWire, Women's Wear Daily. We've got Gothamist, Entrepreneur, it's, you know, 75 million monthly page views, uh, massive. Uh, we're working with Bonnier here in the Nordics, um, Berda in Germany. So um, we've been pretty busy just sort of yes, pounding the pavement and, and getting these deals uh, up and running. That sounds <coughs> incredible having all those brand names or all those brand publishers on your uh, on your list. And um, so you just said it, you know, it's 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 hard selling to publishers, but mm-hmm. it's, you know, B2B sales in itself is pretty hard. Mm-hmm. And that's you're, you're in the B2B space. Yep. Uh, so so how, how do you manage to get all these all these big brands, how do you manage to sell to these people? Yeah, I mean, one is like we go to where they are. Uh, that's a big difference. Like when we, just to sort of backtrack a little bit, like when we, Frodo and I met at Mesh like way back in 2012, like way back in terms of like, you know, startups. And we moved to Berlin because the, the ecosystem hadn't like, it's. I mean, now it's totally changed. But at the, the time, um, there wasn't like a lot of support for what we wanted to do. So we went over to Berlin and we joined Axel Springer's Accelerator. And that put us into this ecosystem where we could meet, you know, levels which were beyond what we could do in in, in the Nordics necessarily. So, um, for example, like, you know, you're sitting in an incubator or co-working space here and maybe like a head of innovation for some big Norwegian company comes in or a Nordic company comes in. But in Germany, you're sitting in Berlin and suddenly like, you know, some big German uh, company just drops by and the market's huge, right? And then, you know, sitting in Tapad, you can just be sat there and like, like the other day, the head of AppNexus came by, it's like the, you know, the second biggest ad server in the world and just has a chat with us. And yeah, so... Tapad, that's uh, either uh, yeah company, yeah, well, yeah. he's just stepped down, but uh, yeah. you were a part of the his program. So he sat there in his yeah, office. Yeah, we your... sat with um, with the other four startups that were selected. So we sat with Zanetta and, and Byline Me and and Eventum and, and Bubbly, some great startups that definitely check out if you don't know about them and um we yeah we sat there and it just opens up a whole new what you know opens so many doors so um for us we've always been big on serendipity and just being in environments where you're likely to cross paths with people because in b2b sales it, it, it is a lot about people 
and, and you realize pretty soon that it's it's a, a sort of a, a, a lesson in psychology it's a lesson in like people management it's not just about it's not like driving people to your website and getting them to sign up it's not like b2c and so um these relationships take time and a lot of the, even people that we've met two three years ago they've moved around we're still here and then they happen to sort of like us and, and like what we're doing on like a conceptual level and then like oh no we've got a product which is for you so uh so, so how, how does a <coughs> typical sales pro- process look like yeah uh, well it depends if we're in europe or, or us so like i can outline what we see as the big differences um for us generally it's like we talk to someone who's head of business development so bear in mind like for our industry we're in publishing b2b um so it might not be relevant for everyone but like we talk to like a head of business development or maybe innovation sometimes um they're looking for like you know, what they can do differently to you know, change processes and um and so we have a deck for them it's like a high level deck this is what we do uh seven slides um and then that goes well and then and then they're like okay i want to introduce you to our head of sales and then we need another deck <laughs> Right, so my life is like living in decks, and, uh, and then we'll sort of present to them. So, so why do you need another deck? Because it's like, um, and, and again, like the difference between US and, and Europe is that the hierarchies like there's so many levels of, of management in the US. So look, whatever you got here, like triple it or quadruple it. Um, but but the decks have to be relatable to like mm, how was it practical for them. So the business development innovation is maybe not thinking about how to apply it they're just thinking of like the high level what can this do for us and so if you went in with a very detailed like you know this is how the bits this is behind the curtain this is how it works they're just going to be like what what are you talking about because they don't necessarily understand the nuts and bolts of it but when you're talking to adults you need to describe how the you know how to get it to work so um so consequently you need a level different level at least we've seen that you need different levels of materials and then once that head of sales buys in, then you need another lot of materials to help them sell our product or sell, you know, internally. So you're sort of helping them with materials and maybe you're like working with the materials that they already have and making adjustments off of that to fit with that deck. So, you know, um, so you realize that there's a, there's many levels, layers to it. And, and at the end of the day, when it gets to... You know, you're the business developer and you buy in. You're like, so this is awesome. Pass it through to some guy that sits on his desk and he's like, oh, fuck it. I, I, you know, I, I don't <laughs> want to go home at five. I don't want to deal with this. So you really have to understand how to spoon, basically spoon feed it. And even for a product, a product like ours, which is, I would say, pretty easy to get, there's so many levels of like ways in which they can misinterpret it. And sometimes it's like we realize there's a, that we under, uncover like there's, oh, if we never thought about using it like that. You know, like, oh, that's cool. And that's what you get through that customer contact, which you don't have if someone's just signing up necessarily to your product online. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so my life is index and, uh, <laughs> and emails. So, so um, is, there a, is there a lot of resistance, like, like implicit resistance <clears throat> within the organizations that they're not like, you know, not like they're, you know, explicitly uh, very resistant, but... But because they have this, you know, mm. this job and this organization, and you said like yourself, uh, are they uh, are they incentivized enough to to jump on new things? And and do you meet that as a hurdle? Um, well, well, publishers. One reason why we chose to sort of pivot into this 
pretty tough space is just because they they really really need to figure something out. So they're actually pretty open to taking the meetings, but it's like I said, getting through those three four levels of who else you have to present to. That's where you start to see whether or not your product is is worthy of it, basically. And in the US, there's so much more competition versus in Europe. So you know we're knocking on their door. They've got like ten, twenty, thirty like pitches every like week, and and here it's like oh it's new. Um, but I, I think you do need an, an internal ambassador, someone who gets it, who likes you, um, and you got to build a rapport with them and, and, and understand that it's not just about um, a, a product which will help the business, but it's got to help them, right? Like, what's the consequence of them choosing or not choosing your product? Is it, like, more time at work, which they probably don't want to do? Is it that they could lose their job? Like, you know, what's the incentive? So there's levels as well to, you know, the benefits from a company level, a team level, and a personal level, which you kind of need to figure out the balance. And um, a little bit like with fundraising, like it's timing. Like a lot of the deals we've got have just been, you know, obviously we're pushing and, and, and we're, we're reading about the media and we're reading about trying to get as much insight as possible. So we try to increase that chance of the timing being right. But it is sort of timing. So, um, you know, like is, now, yeah. Is, is this what you thought building a company would be? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no. I didn't really think too much about what I, I – we're product people. Both Frodo and I, were, um, you know, we want to build awesome products. And then you realize that actually there's a lot more to it than that. So. Yeah, it's actually building a company. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's entirely different from building a product, right? Yeah. Yeah, so um, you know, we, we know we can build a product, and it's just more about like where you realize there's a lot of logistics and politics and a bunch of stuff which you need to figure out, and it's a communications effort. And um, and and in Europe, uh, it's less formal in the states, uh, but then in the states, you know, you spend the first meeting talking about bullshit, really, like talking about everything but the product, and then you'll schedule a meeting to talk about the product if it works. And that's the difference. Whereas here, it's like, oh, you, how's the weather? What a weekend? Okay, show me what you got. You know, <laughs> it's yeah. like totally but, different. So, where did you see? Well, you actually, you focused more on the US than Norway, right? So, uh, well, we have three core markets. We have um, well specific geographies in our in our go to market strategy. Uh, we have uh, Germany, Nordics, and um, and US, and within that very specific region. So, we have Munich, Berlin, Stockholm, Oslo, and um, and East Coast Metro, which is you know New York, DC. A few of us, um, pretty much where we can, we are physically based, or where we can get to, and where we can see like you know the, a, a large portion of um, customers sitting within, and then within that, we of course we, we've done work in Korea and like all of the random things which come up, but we have a focus on specific areas, and and the U.S. for us is just like it takes longer, but obviously the rewards for both like on the financial side, like for valuation valuation of us, and and um, and that they are so many more years, ahead, like several years ahead of, of Europe on, on this industry. So um, I think it's an important sanity check to realize you're not just building within a bubble in, in your own country. Are you are you managing to, to, to get beyond the the pilot stage? Like it's, mm. it's you know, it's probably easy, not, not easy, mm. but a lot of work, but it's, you know, it's easy for someone to do a pilot, mm. to try something out, right? And then... Yeah. Uh, Again, sort of like sitting on, on the person's desk, like, oh, we love it. And then... Are you doing anything with it? You know, yeah. like uh, our pilots are three to six months. Sales cycles with publishers is, is longer, long, long sales cycles. So um, we've actually been really surprised um, considering like we, you know, started offering this 
in in January, and we've been signing up, you know, pretty much like a publication per, every month. Um, but it takes about three months in, on average to sign up and, and then another three months to see some live examples because most of them are working to um, an editorial calendar, right? And they're, they're working, they sell ahead of time. So, so like, that's where we're starting to see the first fruits of our, you know, sowing those seeds earlier in the year, starting to see some stuff pay off. And, and in Europe, they do move fast. We've seen move a bit faster, so we've actually been able to convert pilots a, a bit quicker um and and whereas in the states we're we're moving along into seeing the you know live examples now and it's super rewarding obviously um but also like within the publications that we're doing the the real like we we have quite a lot of contact with them and we see we talk to them we talk to their sales teams we're helping them with pitches so we see whether or not pretty quickly if they're just like letting it sit on the desk and you have to constantly jab them along so like yeah it's not like here's the sale, leave it alone, go and go to the next customer. It's a lot of like um, continuously poking them and, and figuring out and understanding. And that's the whole point is like to understand what, how can we make it better? Like, you know, iterating on the product or like working on, on, on sales materials or figuring out a new vertical, a new sales vertical for them, um, new customer vertical, for example. Um, and, and when they start to sort of sell it internally and there's new salespeople starting to successfully sell the product, that's what we've seen. That's a really good sign. And, and also like starting on one publication and then being adopted by another, that's what we're starting to see as well. So like that's obviously what we want to see more of. We don't just want to be like on one publication. It's it's on paper that they're working with us, but there's no output. Yeah. So, so, so you have like recurring solid customers right now, which are not yeah. fleeing – yeah, so we're, you know, through, through, we didn't like spray and pray. We've been very like targeted at who we want to work with. And, um, and yeah, we are seeing that, that the adoption across the company is, is, is starting to pick up now. And, um, and that they're, they're extending their, their pilots or they're, they're signing on with us. Um, so, so yeah, it's a really good sign. But of course, like, that's what I mean. It's not about just that first sale and drop it. You have to like constantly, follow up and and so it's a lot of account management as well so so you, you mentioned earlier that being at the same physical location is important uh, yeah. but but how what how is your first how do you approach uh, this you know mm. these big companies what's what's your first point of contact um we don't do any cold calling uh we do cold emailing um we do linkedin outreach um, as just an icebreaker, like how oh, you know you connected, and then kind of use that as a as a as a follow up, like to to get in contact. Because like I don't like people. We have a ton of like dev shops contacting us all the time, and it's it's super annoying. So like I don't want to do the same to my potential customers, right? Um, at the same time, like you need to figure out a way of reaching them because otherwise you're never going to work together. So um, and network, like we you know we use. So some of our investors can introduce us to people. Some of our customers can introduce us to others. Um, sometimes, you know, uh, and one of our account managers on on the customer side will leave to another company and then take our deck. So there's been a lot of, uh, you know, sort of um, uh, fertilization of different areas through through people moving around. Uh, you know, again because we've been um, physically moving ourselves, like we were in Berlin to begin with. Um, Axel Springer has been a door opener. They've you know put us through to App Nexus and a few other people. So, um, so what's so, yeah. what's, the, what's what's the most important stage? Is it like the 
the first point of contact? Is it is that the most important, or is it mm. the follow up? Of course, they're both both important. Uh, but what do you consider? Um, let me rephrase. When you when you do cold emailing, how do you set up that email? Uh, it's it, it, that's another thing we go through lots of iterations on on the the content of that email, like how short to make it. I mean, you learn pretty early on when you're speaking with investors. You need to get to the point. Like people have very limited time. And I'm constantly sanity, sanity, we're all sanity checking against our own like outreach. It's like, would I read this? You know, what subject line to put? Um, how, how do you create it? How 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 would it, how would one of these this email look like? I mean, trial and error. It's really trial and error, and it depends if I'm sending it or if our sales team in New York is sending it. I mean, like on the one hand, people do like to hear from the CEO, whatever that's worth. Like you know, it sounds important, um, but then. Obviously, our, our sales team in New York can't say, oh, we're the CEO. They, they're like, oh, we're heading up BizDev. Some people prefer a sales title. Some people don't. It, it's really, uh, I can't sort of say one size fits all thing. It's just a lot of trial and error. Okay, so, but an example, what what should, should the subject line be a question? Or should it be, <laughs> what 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 have what have you been successful with? Um, I'm very in specifics now. I'm just wondering, yeah. what's, what's like, what's a good... How does it? Uh, of course, not. It's hard to to imagine the ideal cold mm. email, but a good. I, I think that maybe a good cold get, should have some elements. And, and what are those? I, I think. Well, I mean, it, it's sort of back to the communication thing. And not, I'm not directly answering answering your question, but like, um, I see like some of our sales guys in the, in the states. They're saying things like, "Got five minutes to chat," or like, "Hey, something for you." You know, like something like a question. I don't. I don't do that so much. Um, it, it might just be a something inconspicuous, like just socius native, you know, or like socius partnership, or I don't know. Like uh, you just you just want them to open it, right? Like that's the main thing. Get them to open it, not just ignore it. Um, and then once they've opened it, then you can like just quickly, very quickly, why they should give a shit. <laughs> like, um, and and then you're just fighting against them clicking delete, right? And but then again, like we've seen. Sometimes it takes six to eight follow-ups to get a response and you think you're being super annoying and probably sometimes you are, but but then there's the balance between how often do you follow up and then are you sending them... The first few times you can be like, you know, hey, maybe you didn't see my email. Like, people are super busy, right? Like, we're inbox zero people, but I imagine a lot of others aren't <laughs> and they're living in, like, really old-school email uh, systems. Um, but then we try, try to... You know, give them like it's a bit like with investors. Like, give them something. Don't just ask. Don't just take. Like, do you have a case study you can point them to? Do you have like something which they can take to their value? Boss? Yeah, value. Bring some value. Don't just be like, I want to get something from you. You know, like same thing with the investors. Like, can you help one of their portfolio companies? You know, like have you? Can you introduce them to your network? Like, it. You gotta. Like, I am. We're no masters of this, but we've learned a little bit along the way that it's not just about a take and then also like if this is a person what level are they bd are they are they just are they, like sales are they innovation um we recently met uh new york times in uh in bergen and we've met them before like a different team in in um in berlin and you know just hung out with them and then you know you really have to like resist to send them your pit your your deck after like hey how's the deck and you don't like just chill the fuck out like build a relationship and then and now we're starting a conversation with them hey you know remember us from this thing it was nice to hang out like maybe got something maybe for one of your team not necessarily for you right 
and to sort of be a bit human about it, yeah. <laughs> which is really hard when you obviously you crunch time, you need to get customers and you know that customers take a long time. So you're fighting a little bit against what you know is a slow system. But um, yeah, like don't panic and try to try to try to be a bit human about it. Yeah, you need to be a friend first, right? You need to be like build the trust first. Like yeah, you'll be, you, you don't, you're building trust by starting to sell immediately. And I've seen it backfire on me too, like where I've been too pushy or um, I've said one thing and kind of contradicted myself in another mail because of you know I just didn't think or and they get annoyed and they think I'm trying to cheat them and it's like no 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 and then you can't win them they're gone like you can't win them back and you're like no no it's just uh, you know, like it's, it's sort of like uh, we haven't had. We only had like a couple of them I can remember, but you, you can't, you can't sort of lose your patience with it because um, you're just not priority. Like, <laughs> unfortunately, no. you're not. You know, they're not going. But they are not losing their job tomorrow if if you don't come along and give you a product. Most likely. Um, yeah, and they, and they don't they don't live with the product. They don't know how awesome it is. Yeah, either, and um, it's not like. That's actually that's your job, right? As an entrepreneur, mm. to convince them, and you know how do you convince people? That's the and uh, it's you know it's, it sounds like a lot of hard work. Uh, it sounds like you have to you know be on the brink of spamming, mm. uh, it, yeah. but you have to find you the fine, persistent, fine. yeah, persistent, persistence, and and it's all about people. Um, but uh, when you got this, is when you when you when you got the, you know your foot inside the door. Then, then the real process starts, right? Yeah. And then after that, uh, you have to have them using your product, like we talked about earlier. Yeah. But what's what's the first step after you, after you know, got inside and had a meeting? Um. Yeah. So I mean, after the meeting, you probably you want to have some kind of call to action at the end of your meeting. You want to figure out, what, okay, what are the next steps, and you can just ask them like. What, what what do you need? What do you need from me? Because you don't want to kind of leave the meeting with, oh, that was a great meeting. And yeah, nothing much more. Um, but again, be careful of being too um, too uh, pushy or expecting something next week necessarily. Because again, people don't work on that, on that schedule. Um, but usually there's something like, you know, can I send you a bit of code to test with your ad ops or like, can I take a look at some of your sales materials that we can review and send back some suggestions that, you know, like just try to be helpful. Um, it's a constant iterative po process that you, it really depends again, like which country are you in? Uh, what's the relationship you have with them before? Is it a new, is it a new vertical? Have you worked in business newspapers before and business publications we just so happen to be suddenly like find ourselves with several like Bloomberg as well and things like this. Um, but yeah, um, it, it's normally some sort of follow-up meeting. Yeah. Is that <laughs> usually meeting. the, the internal champion? Yeah. That the first con is that the, normally the one that uh, will uh, follow you? And, uh, um, can be. Yeah. I mean, you don't really want to end up, Oh, it's tricky when you've got a, a meeting with a lot of people. Cause then, then everyone's sort of expecting someone else to have done something with it, right? And it's no one. So I generally a bit nice if it's like just a few, two, three people. But we have sat in room meetings with like 14 people and you're like, you're just trying to hold the room together, right? Because they start, people are starting to like talk about themselves and then there's no real clear like next steps. You think you're hitting, killing two birds with one stone by having everyone in the same room. But actually it can be more difficult. Like at least that's what we've seen. Um, 
than 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 having you know going through that process of like a few weeks to meet people individually and uh, or like in a smaller group so um yeah yeah and then uh, then the, how's how do you close oh. <laughs> is there a lot of negotiation or are you strict on your own terms uh it depends like are contracts important for you i guess you have to ask in 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 the states they may well ask for a contract don't presume then that you should just go to european customers and throw a contract in front of them because they might not have even thought about it and at the end of the day like like you said like you can have a contract but it doesn't mean you're going to use the product most important thing at least for us and at least in the beginning is like use the product figure out the rest after uh, like i don't know like maybe it's not the best <laughs> advisor but like what do you gonna you're not gonna sue them right if they don't do something or don't pay you on time so like you, i guess just like if a contract is there to kind of help them be mm, let me rephrase it like well yeah in 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 the states they may well most likely ask for contracts and then you might want to work with that contract because it's more convenient for them they don't have to have their legal team review that they already know it obviously you've got to just be aware of that's their terms but again like for us we just want to we just want us want them to use our product and then learn from that and we'll figure it out from there so all the rest comes along like Oh yeah, we got like you know a, an IO. Okay, what's that? Okay, no. Yes, then you give that IO to someone else. It's like it's a it's a process. Yeah, but to to actually to, to get that sale, you have to have mm. some really good arguments, right? Mm. Some really pinpointed facts. Sometimes it you just need to get something live before they can really see it, right? So you can don't want to get stuck in in paperwork and process. No, you don't want to, like you can go round and round circles, and they get really into the nitty gritty. Like, oh, how's it tracked? And like, uh, what if we want this? And what if we want that? And it's like, you know, like yeah, sure. You you need to make sure that I mean, we've seen that they the sooner you can get something live, the sooner you can then figure out together because it's not like gonna probably work out of the box for every customer is different. The processes are different. So, so yeah, like, um get something live and then and then and then iterate on it and and then form and then formalize it along the way yeah and like if they see value they're going to want to continue with you so just try to prove as much value as possible rather than like showing like telling you about how great it is yeah yeah same with investors right you like they want to see the product they want to hear about it yeah 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 but before they get to that stage they need to you need to sell them that product right you need to have some like facts that really will turn them on yeah <laughs> and, and and what kind of facts will, will it's kind of funny because like we we've been talking about how our engagement rate is so high because it, it is really 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 fucking high it's like 10 times what we've seen from other native products but we didn't realize that not always that they're thinking that it creates the money and they need to see money so we're like oh you know it's like a 20 lift in revenue and they're like ah <laughs> you know like <laughs> yeah. oh uh you know i didn't So to it's me, about, it's like about the money. Well, to some, and again, like depending on the industry, but like just touting a fact doesn't necessarily relate. Doesn't necessarily is not the trigger in all cases. And I, I can only speak for our case, right? But you know, we're like we're really obsessed with that figure, like engagement rate on our ads. Do users like them? Do they engage them? Great. But then when it comes down to it, like, what does that mean? You know, and then you're constantly like trickling it down, like. Okay, but why? Okay, but why? You know, like that annoying kid that's just like, why, Dad? And you're like, because this, but why? Because 
but why? And just that is kind of like across the whole board from from our investor investor process to to sales to product is like what what is good about this product? And you can just constantly distill it down. And um, I think what we when we pivoted last fall, we thought, oh, you know, finally we've got a focus. We're, we're really like we're being quite broad purposely because we're bootstrapped. And we're working with a broad range of events and brands and publishers. We're like, now we're focused on publishers. It's going to be so easy. You know, we're going to nail this. And then you realize, like, there's a whole world within that you can focus even further on. So, and we're still doing it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, what was the question again? <laughs> no, um, I don't remember. <laughs> no, no, it was about the... What, what makes the sale? Like, why, yeah, why, and yeah. Uh, you said that you could have the best engagement rate in the, uh, rate in the world, but... It's you know the twenty percent increase in revenue that's most important. Is, is, yeah. it, is it? Is it? You know, companies. But they, you know, companies exist to make money, right? So mm. it's all about how how can you help them make more money? Make money or save money, right? Or save money, yeah. yeah. So yeah, and uh, and even if it's you know if you save if you use the yeah you know the argument of saving time, mm. it's you have to relate it. You know how much money? Well, does that e- equate right? Yeah. Or, or, or am I wrong? And uh, well, also like sometimes it's it's tricky with because we're we don't like to call ourselves ad tech, we call ourselves brand tech. <laughs> um, there's a difference because we're not about about yield management or like optimization down to like point one of a second. We're about providing like, a really good brand experience, and that's sort of fluffy to a lot of people, right? And um, why but, would why would you choose? Um, why, why why wouldn't you just ride on the wave of ad tech? Uh, it's not really necessarily a good wave, <laughs> but, 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 uh, it's had a few bad apples and I guess it's some people are a bit like think it's a lot of like snake oil. So, um, at least f- from what we've seen and, and it's not, it's sort of easy to pigeonhole companies into, oh, you're a med tech, ad tech, martech, whatever. Um, so yeah, sure. We are to do with advertising, but, but ours is about cr- creating the, the content for those ads through repurposing of, of social and and that um and and the benefit of that is sort of depending on the use case so like if it's going to be used in an influencer marketing campaign if it's going to be used to cover like a live event or like if it's going to be used for um to enrich in a current native con- article it's sort of the output is maybe a little bit different so to different people so um but yeah at the end of the day for us it's about that has to drive some kind of revenue, but then also things like recurring business. Like, do, does the advertiser love it? Do they come back? Is there a high churn in your sales team? Like, does it does it struggle to sell and it's just onto the next advertiser, onto the next advertiser? Like, um, yeah. So it's yeah, it's a balance. But um, is it hard building a company? <laughs> yeah, of course it is. <laughs> Otherwise, everyone would be doing it, right? Yeah, but you don't know how hard it is, right? I mean, we've been doing this. We've been we're coming up to four years in October. Um, obviously, like changed a little bit along the way, but um, the, the the high level concept is pretty much the same. Um, but you you sort of start to recognize patterns and see how you can make better decisions a, a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's it's hard because most of the time you're getting no's right. You live in a world of those. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, why am I doing it? But uh, but then like suddenly you'll get, you'll see, like last week was crazy for us. We had, we're launching with like Go- Goffmist, the entrepreneur, Dow Jones, and just it comes through just that constant like following up, um, working with them, pushing them. 
and then you see it and you're like, oh, this is awesome. So it's sort of really, it's a, it's a big roller coaster. Uh, it has been for us. It will continue to be. I'm sure it's not like it's going to get any easier. It's just going to be more money, more problems. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, you, you raised some money last year and yeah. uh, by the, if you should apply like common startup theory you should be you should be out again soon to raise mm. some more money is that correct yeah yeah we are um, so we we had the support from our investors we have like um, some nordic investors and 500 startups in our last round and they were really supportive of our of our pivot and so a lot of it was like okay time to reposition and, and gather whether or not this is going to work go big or go home sort of thing and um and that's sort of starting to pay off so yeah obviously we're, we're now of of last six weeks or so started to do the next lot of like financing like speaking to new investors and a mixture of different investors and tell them about what we're doing and our vision and and why we want them on board and um again very like international we've we're, we're obviously there's a lot more activity in the nordics now so we've been focusing quite a lot in in also bergen stockholm um but also vienna uh, Germany. Um, and, so, and, yeah. are, are they all smart investors? I mean, are, do mm. they all? Can they all help you? Uh, you know, in addition to money. Yeah, I and mean, we've been really, like, we've been very um, strategic about, like, how we, we haven't just done like a spray and pray. Like, we have reached out to a lot of people, but it's, but it could have been a lot more if we just like spammed out, and that's never going to pay off, right? So it's the same with our sales. Um, strategy but um we're looking for, for for network and we're looking for for smart money and 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 also investors that can complement each other in some way because there'll be a few in this round and um and they need to get along we need to all sort of um uh play well together and uh and and so that's what we've been focusing on so how would you describe the difference between having a regular job and doing this um, responsibility <laughs> and flexibility, I guess, are two of the things I like, or both uh, my co-founder and I really like about being in the startup is that you can work when, well, we work a lot, but you can kind of work when you want. And you also, I like on one end, I'm thinking about like, okay, what's exit potential, you know, in the future. And then I'm pushing a pixels and a button, you know, like <laughs> I'm, I'm the designer still. So um, when I get to, can get to do it. Um, so that's super nice. Um, travel a lot. Like, at least for us, again, like we're maybe a, a bit like our travel um, expense sheets are insane um, because we just do so much traveling in in US and, and whatever. Um, not big values, but just, you know, yeah. <laughs> don't get scared about that, investors. But um, we, yeah, like the flexibility is awesome. The, the feeling like you're doing something important. Um, yeah. I was never a very good employee, so. No. Uh, that's I think that uh, counts for many people uh, listening to this podcast. So, so what's your uh, what's your biggest um, challenge going moving forward right now? Um, well, we're in the in the investment crunch, so you're always a little bit up against time. Um, we, yeah, well, I guess like the biggest um, uh, pain sort of for us is that in investment in getting investment, it's not a very transparent process. It's kind of like doing sales if you were get to, like, you know, oh, I'm talking to Vega, I'm talking to Dow Jones, I'm talking to Penske, and I have to get them all to agree in order to get one. You know, you have to get them all, I have to get them all to agree. 
And that's kind of that's where it's different from just getting sales because you're talking to all these investors and they're like, oh, this is really this is cool. I'd like to find out more about this. But no one wants to be first. And then also, you know, you they're sort of reliant on each other, but there's no kind of like transparency between them. So that's really tricky because you don't know, are you 10% close to closing or are you, you know, 50% close to closing or like, what is it? And they could be an angel, a corporate investor, a micro VC, a VC, you yeah. know, family office. Mm. Uh, and then they all maybe took, approach it differently as well. And um, so that's... That's a challenge, just kind of like knowing how to move that process along in a good way um, because they're sort of into, they're relying on each other, but they don't know each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so what's the biggest uh, rec- uh, tip you would give uh, Norwegian founders? Oh, God. Um, I don't know, really. Uh, or founders in general. I don't. I don't feel like I'm like in a position to give like major advice. It's like well, it's well you probably what's your what's your biggest mistake, and how can other people learn from it? Mm, oh, Christ. Um, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna need to edit this one. Yeah. I think. I, 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 yeah. I don't know. I, I guess like uh, it's a, it is a real struggle, and like uh, you constantly read the news about how successful startups and how they're killing it and whatever but like you know you can have a really good product and you probably like it isn't a great product but it takes a lot of time and just like we're constantly like thinking oh you know is it enough and you realize it's only been three days since you spoke to them why haven't they called me why haven't they called me like the same with investors or with customers it's like did they not like it you know um but 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 the timelines are totally different so so stick it out like we we've gone through some major ups and downs through, through it and wondering is it worth it but like then you get a few you know then stuff starts to happen so um for for us it's uh, talking to other founders and and ones that maybe have come a bit further than you that raise more money and realize that they have problems but just at a different level right it's not like it's going to get any easier so it's just you know different yeah so, so that's kind of like yeah because all, every, everything you hear about you know in, in the media and stuff it's all the success successes right yeah but they want to you know become public you, you're not so supposed you, to talk about well i mean you don't you gotta talk about the benefits of the product the benefits of the company right you don't yeah. want to talk labor on the on the mistakes because because you, you know you also you want customers you want investors and you want to see that you're successful but of yeah. course there's going to be uh teething problems in it yeah um but that's why, like, we don't sit in a we, – we sit in co-working. We like to be around people. We, we like to um, be able to, like, see see the pain in other people's companies and, like, understand it. And it also opens doors as well. So, um, you know, for, for us, it's uh, just to have some perspective. Um, I actually heard about this cool thing. It was, like, a founder's getaway for, like, male CEOs or, like, male uh, – that, that obviously they don't really talk to each other too much and don't open up. But there's this sort of, I think it was in the States, it's like a getaway where you can spend a weekend just kind of like opening your, yeah. <laughs> you know, like let, letting you, like getting their weight off your shoulders and then talking to other dudes about like, oh man, this is really hard. And yeah. I, 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 I guess it's sort of like a It's like a detox problem. for... Uh... Yeah, because like, you know, you've, it's, you're in a bit of a bubble and you wonder if it's worth it sometimes. But Yeah, it's hard. And uh, hopefully we'll start to write more about that on Shifter mm. because that's that's actually the reality. Mm. Well, Shifter is also a startup, right? <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's super hard, you know. A startup talking about startups. Yeah, so, we, you know, we could 
we can feel the problems <laughs> on our own bodies, but uh, mm. uh, yeah, it is hard. But um, uh, I think I think we need to move the discussion in that direction because we need to have this. You know, we we can't just write about all the successes. Yeah, uh, I, I think I think it will lift the the ecosystem talking about the hard things as well. Yeah, uh, the, the balance the balance of it. Yeah, of course. You know, um, and you don't well, have right? to be just a twenty-four-year-old founder that went IPO. You know, like no, yeah. like I'm thirty-six. Like it's it takes takes time to and 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 there's no reason why you can't do it at a later age and with experience or or whatever you've. Not that this is particularly later age, but you know, like you only really read about the the sexy headlines of like some fucking twenty-one-year-old who's like killed <laughs> it yeah. and they just hired a hundred people. You know, like just crazy. Like of course it's going to be. Like, that's what makes a headline, right? Not yeah. not us. Like eating knickerbrow and like working on on a Sunday or what you know like it's not so I I don't know like maybe to certain people that's that's interesting for others it's not yeah. Daniel uh, it's been very interesting talking to you I learned a lot about B two B sales and it's also interesting to get a peek inside the socials that we haven't heard from for a while you you had some re- great news uh, you know you signed really big contracts that's really exciting. Um, but you also have uh, challenges, like every other startup. And um, so, when but when does the um, investor round? Uh, when is, when will when, the, when will that finish? <laughs> yeah. Will that uh, be? Well, we're sort of that. That's another pain. Sort of is that we we've picked it kind of coinciding with the summer. Oh. <laughs> so uh, so that's also. I mean, summer and Christmas, I guess, are two areas where it can be a bit tricky. But yeah, end of summer. End of summer. So sort of end of August ish. Um, pending people having some time in the office or some time by their laptops and to, to, to check in and check in with us. Yeah. So we will hear from you soon, I think. Yeah, yeah, sure. Cool. Invite us back. Yes. <laughs> Thank you very much, Daniel. Thanks. Cheers.